Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Grain by Train podcast for Grain Week 28, where we discuss how rail service performance is impacting the movement and export of Western Canadian grain. I'm Greg Northey from Pulse Canada, and I'm joined by Mil Proyer of QGI Consulting, who manages the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of agriculture groups that produce data and reports on rail service and performance. Thanks for joining us today, Milt. Hi, Greg. Nice to be with you. So uh, week 28, the report is in the books and clearly a very difficult week. This week corresponded, as I'm sure you'll get into, with some particularly cold weather uh, in the West. Uh, so the numbers are, are, are definitely reflect what we saw in the weather. Uh, give us a bit of a review of, of that week, Milton, and uh, maybe some causes of, and effects of, of what happened. Well, um, week 28 uh, measured the period roughly from February the 7th to the 14th uh, when you look at CN and CP, recognizing that their grain weeks are offset by a day. This was a period, as you said, in the West where we finally saw the winter we've been expecting for a long time. We had uh, very cold weather settle in in the West, pretty much from the Manitoba-Ontario border uh, right through into uh, the interior of BC, and it was cold, uh, and cold, as we know, uh, based on experience, and as the railways love to tell us, uh, is not particularly good for rail operations, and week 28 kind of proved that. Uh, performance was extremely poor. Um, for both railways, the worst performance that we've seen from an order fulfillment perspective those, uh, so far this year. Uh, CN coming in with a stellar 31% and uh, CP at 60%, you know, better, but not what we would consider to be good. Something to think about is we've talked in our podcasts in the past about how, despite the fact that, you know, winter was mild this year, particularly in the West, unseasonably so, you know, performance was sketchy week to week. Um, surprisingly so, because one would expect with the good weather that the railways would be, you know, performing at their peak, but that really hasn't been the case. And the concern was always, you know, what happens when the system gets a shock? Well, this was the shock. Um, and the reality is if we look back at performance in the weeks leading up to this, this was really the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, performance had been, you know, tenuous, inconsistent, uh, seemingly unsustainable from week to week so far this year. Um, and then the first shock to the system, you know, as short as it was, it really only lasted about eight or 10 days, basically tipped the system over. And, and that's what we saw in week 28. And we're probably going to see a little bit of that in week 29. Yeah, it was clearly a difficult week. And I think as you just spoke to it, it really, I think, reflects uh, the fragility of the system, you know, we, we do expect winter every year, but when these weeks hit, it has a inordinate impact on the supply chain. And I think we're starting to see some of the data come in from that week and the subsequent week around uh, producer deliveries to, to elevators and, and the export programs and, you know, the numbers drastically decline. So it, it has a huge impact uh, when, when the, when the weather hits and the railways can't perform on the entire system and our export program and our producers and it, it becomes a bit of a, for sure, a bit of a concern and something we need to think of as we, as we, as we move forward. Uh, were, did any, any of the provinces, were they spared the, the performance or was it pretty much uh, spread evenly across the board? Uh, no real surprises at a provincial level. I guess in a nutshell, CN was terrible across the board. 
they reserved the worst of the worst for Saskatchewan, which only saw 25% of their orders fulfilled on time. They also took a huge hit uh, with the uh, very dispro disproportionate number of orders being canceled by the railway. CP was a little bit more up and down. They were particularly bad in Alberta uh, and better, although not what I would call good in uh, Manitoba and Saskatchewan where they were floating right around 70%. So no surprises really at the provincial level given what we saw at the system level. So now we turn to what happens next and, and the recovery and something we've talked about on the podcast uh, previously around, you know, these, these things will hit. It's preferable if we didn't have such a fragile system, but you know, we have to look forward and see where the recovery is going and whether we can, and whether we can recover quickly. Um, have you seen any good progress? We, since we've had some data come in since that week, obviously we have our daily reports that we, that the ATC publishes. Uh, have you seen any progress in, in CNCP, um, uh, essentially fixing their network, so to speak? Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, as you say, we have the benefit of, of time uh, in looking at where the performance is evolving. You know, we can see performance right up to this morning uh, in reality for both CN and CP across the system. And things are getting better. Um, you know, probably the, the lowest point was about 10 days ago when the, the system slowed down to such a, uh, a level that CN and CP had a backlog of 6,000 plus cars that had, you know, basically ground to a halt and, and were not moving for, you know, two, three, four, five or more days. And I would point out, by the way, for the benefit of our listeners, that while the crux of that happened in the week of February 7 to 14, the reality is, if you look in the numbers, that CN and CP had been sliding well in advance of week 28. They had cars that were sitting under load at Origins. Uh, I say cars, trains, full trains in some cases, um, going back all the way to January 31st, you know, which sat in place under load for, in some cases, 12 to 15 days. So while we saw week 28 really be the, you know, the core of the problem, it had been coming and, and will continue going forward. Having said that, uh, the railways have done some good work over the last few days. They've knocked down their idle car counts quite significantly. Performance in the critical West Coast corridors of Vancouver and Prince Rupert is starting to improve. Uh, the pipelines do remain a little bit structurally challenged. And by that, I mean, you know, the number of cars at each section in the pipeline is a little bit out of balance. And that's a result of, you know, cars sitting at origin for such a long period of time and the railways trying to restart those corridors. And the, the effect of that is that cars are arriving in an uneven flow at Vancouver and at Prince Rupert, which is making, you know, unloads at the port uh, a little bit erratic on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think it's fair to say that we're, while it's getting better, we're probably going to see that continue a little bit this week. Um, the weather has improved. It's nice in, in Western Canada, although there's some snow coming in the east. Um, and, you know, going forward, I think the most important thing is, given what's going on, is that we don't get another shock to the system, uh, because that one uh, could really hurt, I think. I think the railways need to get out of this one. It'll probably take them another week or so, and then hopefully, you know, smoother sailing going forward. 
Yeah, hopefully uh, the recovery goes goes well and we don't have to get any more of these shocks. Uh, something we are keeping our eye on, obviously, and it's something that I've mentioned a couple of times is, is Montreal. So we are a, um, keenly aware that uh, a strike that happened last August only ended because a truce was put in place, essentially, for the two parties to negotiate a contract. That truce ends March 20th and negotiations still haven't come to a conclusion. So, you know, when we talk about shocks to the system and, and fragility, uh, this is often an area that that causes some real problems for supply chains. You know, close to a million tons of containerized grain goes through Montreal and the strike will directly impact that and prevent it from, from being exported. So definitely something we have our eye on and uh, maybe the next few weeks we'll, we'll be, get a better handle on what kind of impact that's going to have. Uh, thanks again for your time this week, Milt, as always. And for those interested in seeing the reports, you can go to www.agtransportcoalition.com. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.